ride with me in my foul life. Podcast World with Shake and Chad building back at you another edition of the Foul Life Podcast. We're calling this one Dickie's Work Wear. A little play on words. W-E-A-R is what you refer to as apparel. That's what Dickie's is known for, work apparel. This is Dickie's Work Wear, W-H-E-R-E. Where are you working, America? Where are you working throughout the world? Where are you wearing your Dickie's? The better you look, the better you feel. The better you feel, the more passion you have for that day. The more passion you have for that day, the more you're going to put into your job. doesn't matter if you're a city bus driver, if you're operating a D10 loader or an excavator, or you're whistling Dixie with your mop up at a high school as a head janitor custodian, or if you're a surgeon or a fighter pilot or a hunter, it doesn't matter. If you're working and you love it, that's what life's all about. And you know what they say, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Dickies is there for all of us, whether it's the pants, the work shorts the cargo if you need to put a hammer in that loop go ahead and do it i got my tape measure on my back pocket sometimes people will call me out on that because i pretty much if i don't do manual labor i don't even know if i know how to use a tape measure i might want to learn that my guest today knows how to use a tape measure i think he knows how to grow a beard and he knows how to shoot a rifle and he's also a working class american a blue collar a blue chipper he is a conservative he knows where we're going with this campaign and about little little more little less than 30 days alex crosby from dead dog walking alex crosby from the foul life alex crosby you've heard him on this life ain't for everybody you've heard him on the foul life podcast you've seen him all over our stuff and now he's one of the hosts of the brand new podcast where the payment ends but he also owns an ice cream company called tahoe creamery he is a sous chef at pinocchio's bar and grill in reno nevada so he's wearing his dickies all over he's a renaissance man alex welcome Somebody's going to call me out for that sous chef line because I can't cook. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't. Do you think that you'll be in trouble with that? Probably. I mean, I can make a mean bowl of cereal. Or actually, I think I make a pretty good grilled cheese sandwich too. Well, when I gave you the American almond beef or <laughs> almond beef steak, who made it? Well, I put that on the Traeger. Anybody can do that. I know. Isn't it funny? I was talking to some guys the other day about, and I love all these backyard aficionados. I love that people are getting out in their backyards. But it seems to me like everybody, because of social media, is a professional oh. like you there's people that have never they don't even know how to spell the word culinary arts or been trained in culinary arts or have a background in in anything like wolfgang puck has done or what guy fieri did and all of a sudden we're just inundated and traeger's awesome for it because they get people out there but it's funny when you meet some of the egos out there about like their ribs and i'm like your ribs all you do is set it and forget it like it's like the one two three method right no it, it literally i made ribs with their app, the Traeger app, you all you have to do is follow that thing. And if you can do that, you'll have like the best. But th- literally, I've been making only the meat because I cannot make a single other thing. If you said I had to make the, the you know, the side dishes, I, if it didn't come out of a box, it wouldn't be coming for me. But I did the ribs, literally just followed one of their recipes to a T. Then everybody was going nuts over these ribs. And I'm like, it, it literally has nothing to do with me. It's all this Traeger and their app, to be honest with you. And it's, it's, I, I watch uh, Gordon Ramsay's little videos um, from time to time. And it's, that dude knows like what, what goes into what, what, uh, you know, what flavor combinations are going to work the best. That's a, that's a guy that can cook, you know, me, 
following a recipe, that is not a guy that can cook. And I, and I, yeah, I don't want to be called out for that sous chef thing. I, I cut my fingers when I try and slice up the onions, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think a sous chef can be many forms though. Like if you're, if your girlfriend is cooking in the kitchen, do you go in there and help her? Or does she keep you in the TV room? Uh, I, I might help cut up vegetables or something like that, or I'll marinate the meat. You know, I do, uh, again, more, more of the Traeger than anything else, but you know, I'll do those kind of things. Yeah. I guess I'm a pretty good sous chef when it comes to See? that. See, your sous right. chef. An executive chef, which they say, if you read up on, on executive chefs, it's like one of the most stressful jobs there are because of the responsibility of service of quality of expectation, you know, everything that goes into that plate being put in front of that customer that's paying a high end dollar, that executive chef, like they say, like it's as stressful as anything in the world. I'm sure like a fighter pilot or a surgeon, like cutting some person open, but it's literally like you're taking somebody's hard earned money and you have to like read what the waitress or, you know, puts down on the bill, medium rare, don't over, you know, oh, don't overcook this. How do you serve the vegetables? What's the presentation going to look like? What's the flavor profile going to be? And you know how many, you know how many critiques food is probably the most critique thing in the world. Would you agree? Oh, hundred percent. And, and what I've gained from my short time in the restaurant world, it, the, uh, the attention to detail, but also like the memorization and multitasking that those guys do. I, it, it, you got it, like you said earlier in this podcast, you got to have some passion to be anywhere in that kitchen. Yeah. You know, when you think about, for the most part, they've got every dish memorized. You know, the the, the place that I work at, they're cooking to order, you know. So um, if you order a burger, you know, that's that's raw meat going on the grill right then. And, and they've got it, you know, that's a bad example. But they have it memorized, you know, lettuce, tomato, onion, what spread goes on it, cheese. And then, like you said, they're monitoring the cooking temperature. So if somebody orders it medium rare and they leave it on the grill too long, now they got to make another one. And now you're setting the whole ticket back. You know, now you're setting the restaurant back. So uh, you watch those guys and, and they've got some really talented, you know, cooks and chefs and stuff in there that, you know, they got a, a pizza going in one oven and they got a burger going on the grill and they got a chicken breast going on another part of it. And they're, you know, they've, they've caught, kept all that in line. It's all cooked. Right. Cause like you said, you can complain about every detail of food, right? It's not cooked right. It doesn't season right. You know, this isn't what I expected, you know, and, and like you said, it's your hard earned money. A lot of people nowadays, you know, they, they're looking forward to that one adventure out, you know, that one meal out. It's not like back six months ago, eight months ago, when people are going out two, three times a week, you know, right yeah. now it's maybe once a week, maybe it's once a month, you know, so you want that meal to be correct, you know? So yeah, it's cool. I don't know how we got on this tangent, but it, it's, no, I think it, that, I think that we're, you know, you can work anywhere in the restaurant industry is one that was, it's no secret, greatly affected by COVID. I mean, it was scary times. A lot of them didn't make it. I mean, you hear the, mm -hmm. the stories of how many went out of business. Um, even the ownership of the places that you help out um, had stressful times. And that's one of them, probably the most successful restauranteurs or whatever, the restauranteur, the owner in the area. I mean, the dude kills it with it when it comes to uh, all sorts of things, not just his brick and mortars, but his catering and all of his connections for that. I don't know how much revenue was lost it, by somebody like him just with the cancellation of the special events because of COVID. Then on top of that, all of the restrictions on being able to go into a restaurant from March through pretty much July, then it started to loosen up some with takeout meals and there was always curbside. But still, I mean, that's the reason why the Traegers, 
and the liquor industry and backyard cooking got so big. Like you can't get a Traeger right now. You right. can't, you go, you go, you go try to get a grill right now. That's one of the higher end grills. They're hard to find because people were staying home and they were lo- getting falling in love with their backyard again. So that made it hell on restaurants. And now people are starting to loosen up a little bit and starting to go out again. You're starting to see more traffic th- in and out of these places. But as far as the workforce goes, there's a lot of people that were affected by COVID in the restaurant industry, which is one of the coolest restaurants and hardest to make in the world, bars and restaurants. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the success rate is, but you have to be married to the place. Literally, the owner of your place is probably pushing 60 maybe, and that dude works probably 90 hours a week. Six days a week, Still does it. Yeah. Still. I I just heard a... a statistic this morning, and 60% of those are made up on the fly. No. Uh, but a third of our area restaurants either are already closed or are on the verge of closing. And a lot of people think that that number is conservative. I mean, you know, uh, Pinocchio's two locations in Reno and Sparks, they had to keep their Sparks ones closed for 76 days because they couldn't, there was no, there was no manpower. You know, in the beginning of this whole thing, people were even just afraid to go to work. You know, they didn't want to go. If you were a waitress or a cook or something like that, you know, they 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 weren't interested in potentially risking their lives over a job, you know, so you couldn't staff the places even to do the curbside. So the Sparks one, you know, like I said, was closed for 70, 76 days or something like that. So to absorb that kind of a, you know, loss in revenue and just like you said, the special events and all that, I mean. You know, there's there's going to be, a, I think, a lot more that aren't going to make it either. You know, I mean, it's sad to say, and I and I wish success on everybody, uh, but you just, you know, you can't. It, even today, we're allowed to operate at fifty percent capacity, and we would love to to test those waters. You know, we're not getting a fifty percent fill rate in the restaurants right now. People are just still part. Of, you know, I never really thought about what you just said, but yeah, they've they've actually. Uh, they've fallen in love with their backyard again, or they've, you know, learned to cook now or learned to barbecue now or bought a Traeger and, you know, they're trying all those recipes. And um, you touched a little bit on the liquor thing. You know, we, we had a discussion the other day that uh, used to be, you know, after a hard day's work, you'd stop at your favorite bar, you know, your local bar or whatever, and have a beer or two before you go home. And now, once they all closed, it trained everybody and conditioned everybody just to go home and have that, you know, cocktail after work or many of the, you know, offices and places like that. Everyone was working from home anyway. So at five o'clock, they just slipped into their shorts and grabbed a beer and went and sat in the backyard. And it's that's that's uh, that's a tough place to be for a bar or restaurant, man. Well, and I mean, like you think about all the numbers that are coming out of offices that are giving up their least their least the office space or the buildings are going up for sale because a lot of these big companies that have, you know, corporate offices or HQs that go where people come to, to clock in and go to work every day, they started to see that, man, we can still have progress and we can still get results and make to cut, turn a profit with everybody working at home. So some offices, buildings were just let go. So now you got all of the commercial real estate, all of the empty buildings. Again, back in the recession of 2007, 2008, there's still places that are dormant. Like I'm talking stretches of strip malls that don't have any tenants in it. So now you got buildings that are becoming empty again on top of those ones that were already still left over from the recession. So now you got over 
way overpopulated empty buildings in the commercial real estate space. And in the same breath, when corporations are seeing that, well, do we really need to have an office? Y'all are doing great from home. Now those people at home are starting to even get that mentality about what we're talking about. Do I really need to travel as much as I was? Do I need to really bust my ass to bounce my kids from little league to wrestling, to basketball, to volleyball, to valet, to this and that and that people are like, no man, just getting on the tractor and the mow, you know, on the riding mower. That's cool. Now mm -hmm. just cooking in the backyard and enjoying family time. We can do it. We just proved to ourselves as a family and as a, a, a unity and a community that we might not need all the hustle and bustle all the time. So potentially that's one positive reinforcement that comes out of something like COVID, but it also is scary for business because do they bounce back? Me personally, I've probably cut my expenditures on nightlife or bars or restaurants, I guarantee you by at least 75%. And that's a, that, that's saying a lot because I was in different cities all over America, all throughout the entire late winter and spring and early summer, I would be bouncing from show to show or concert to concert or baseball, whatever it was, doing our thing and spending money the whole time. I haven't been on an airplane since March 17th from spring training when it got canceled. I haven't left Reno except maybe three times to go to Chico. Well, yesterday I went to the Bay Area for a meeting, but besides that, I'm not doing anything. And how do you know? How do you? I was going to touch on this. Is it, I miss all that, you know? And and so, do you miss all that? Like, how's your mental? How does your how do your mental faculties hold up with? I don't know. You know, I, I mean, here's I, I know here's, you like to travel. I do, but here's how I looked at it: uh, something as simple as Lake Tahoe, which I love, and we take it for granted. Is something as simple as Almanor, Lake Almanor, which I love, and we take it for granted. I mean, it's an hour and a half away, and it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Eighty feet deep of seventy-three degree water with boats and coves and swim-up bars and whatever you want. It's got. I didn't go one time, not one visit. When you could, there was right. some beaches open. There was boats open. I didn't think I didn't want to be around the masks. I didn't want to be right. around people freaking out. I didn't want to be around anything that was going to make me feel uneasy. So I literally sat here in this backyard almost every day. Which but, is not fair for those of you that yeah. do not know. Uh, Chad has a very nice backyard. Not all of us have this backyard. I wouldn't leave here either. <laughs> but, but you were here a bunch. No, I, was, I know. But I, you asked me personally, do I miss it? Yeah, like... It was almost like this, like one of my biggest thrills is going to a Zach Brown concert at Fenway Park. I was relieved that there was no Zach Brown concert in August or early September of this year because I was having so much fun with Alyssa and you guys and staying around home. It was a nice change. Now, is it going to be awesome when you get back out there and you do it again? Of course it is. But I got this weird premonition in my head is like, is it going to be like it was? Are we going to be shoulder to shoulder in a mosh pit and, and see the energy of what America is all about watching Garth Brooks or Zach Brown or freaking Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters rocket, right? We were Guns being, and Roses. Me and you were going to Guns and Roses in San Francisco, right? At AT&T again on August 5th. Mm -hmm. Backstage passes. We were finally going to get, and I don't know with how liberal those guys are, which it doesn't matter, but I still love Guns and Roses. And we were going to have a great night. And it's it was gone and it was just wiped out. It shows you that we as Americans, we take for granted a lot of what we have at our fingertips. We truly do. But here's what we did. Here's what it taught me. All that stuff that I took for granted, traveling to Turkey Hunt, saying, no, you can't come to Kentucky this year. It's closed. Can't come to Nebraska this year. It's closed. Going to concerts, closed. Baseball, got off the plane and, and I, we go to spring training every year. Yeah. You know, I got off the plane and every TV in the Phoenix airport, every game canceled. Yep. But it also made us 
look at it like, man, what have I really been taking for granted within my freaking backyard and my fenced in little oasis that I call my home, my family, my daughters, my friends, my neighbors, you take that for granted, like, oh, that's always going to be there. So I'm just going to go travel the world. And then all of a sudden it opens your eyes like, holy shit, this is nice. So it was a nice change, but I don't know if it's going to, I don't know if it's going to condition people like myself. Will I go back to that Chad building? There was of, oh, sushi tonight. Oh, barbecue tomorrow. Oh, sports bar here or that. I don't know if I'm going to go back to that. I can't tell you right now. Right. And, and you, you touched on something that made me think back to like Soprano Sundays. Like, I wish we did more stuff like that. You know, that back in the day, it, it, you, you and I weren't doing it together, but we were both doing it at the same time. You know, Sunday night, the Sopranos came on HBO and you and, you know, your group of buddies were meeting at somebody's house and you guys were going to eat dinner or, you know, have a couple cocktails, watch Sopranos. We used to do the same thing. And part of that hustle and bustle kind of eliminated those kind of fun, easy nights. Right. I mean, you know, it wasn't about going out or going to get sushi or going to a bar or anything. You could just meet up with five or six or 10 of your buddies and, yep. you know, get a couple of cases of beer and watch it, you know, a couple hours worth of TV and hang out. And yeah, we, we let all that stuff go by the wayside. When's the last time you went to uh, even prior to COVID when's the last time you went to a movie theater? Never. Like I, I lost all that, that, you know, I used to go once a week probably and catch a movie. And part of that is because I don't, there's not that many great movies coming out anymore, but I agree. A lot of those fun things that, that we used to do that weren't so much, uh, you know, traveling or, you know, a big kind of a night out, we lost all that stuff. Well, part of it is, I think that once you get to our age where I'm older than you, I have kids, you don't even have kids yet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, like Sundays is like, well, I got school the next day. So a lot of parents have that mentality. Well, let's shower up. Let's get everything ready. The lunchbox is packed and the kids in bed by eight because they just had a long week and they got to wake up refreshed tomorrow morning and get to school. There was no school in COVID. So my point is, is like, I would love to have even the families over. I don't know if there's anything on TV as good as Sopranos, which we can touch on that. Shameless has me just wrapped up. I'm like, gosh, dang, I love Shameless, but I also love Ozarks. And, and I just got on these. I just found them. People just let me, you know, they helped me discover them. I never even heard of Ozark and Jason Bateman until COVID. People are like, you need to watch this. So yeah. I freaking like binge watched it and got addicted. Then they're like, have you ever heard of Shameless? I think it was on Showtime originally. So I started watching Frank Gallagher and his family. Now, like, I got friends that'll they've told me like they've woken up and thought like, wonder what the Gallagher's are up to today. <laughs> like you think they're a real family and shit. Right. So, but there, I don't even know if there's a lot of TV that you could get. Sopranos was just that special show that you could do. I get, you could, I'd love to do Soprano Sundays right now and go back Rerun and watch them. all six seasons. Me too. Yeah. Because we, you would discover so much shit in them. But well, yeah, I think this, I really think COVID has, or this part of what happened in life has made me go, Man, I don't know if I need to run as hard as I was because we're still keeping every. And I wasn't trying to interrupt you, but we're still keeping everybody happy. Business is still going good. So what's that telling me? Maybe I don't need to be gone as much. Yeah. And I think, you know, I I think some of the businesses out there, one of the ones that's big, you know, Twitter, you know, they publicly announced that they're not going to reopen their San Francisco office. And I mean, I can't even imagine what what rent is like in a city like San Francisco. And, um, you know, that's the evolution of work now. Right. And, and where is it going to go? And how does all that stuff affect all the businesses down the line? You know what I mean? What is the, what is their printer company going to do now that 
they don't have a big office with a printer right. room in it. You know, what is, what does it change the landscape for a bar and restaurant? Some people think it actually could be better. You know, if you're trapped in your house Monday through Friday, not trapped, traps, bad word, but you know, you're in your home Monday through Friday. Now, are you going to want to go out, you know, on Friday night and get out for a while or Saturday night or whatever, or is it going to be every night? You know, every night you might, it might go from where everyone's really enjoying that backyard to, man, I really want to see some different faces now, you know, then you go maybe hit your neighborhood bar as, uh, as opposed to say like San Francisco's got their financial district and in the restaurants and bars that are down there that were really catering to people at lunch. And then people, you know, that were having a drink after work, you know, a lot of those bars close at, you know, seven o'clock when you're in San Francisco, for example, now you can go back over to union square and they're still all open real late. Cause they're trying to cater to a different crowd. Reno's got its same kind of thing. You know, you've got your local bars and things like that. And, and then you've got spots that are strategically, placed by you know big office buildings and stuff like that they're trying to get that lunch crowd you know all that dynamics going to change you know as this whole thing kind of unfolds and our our business is really not going to take back in their space something that that you made me think of um there's those two buildings in reno that have been empty since it one was a sporting goods store and i think one was like a circuit city they've never been able to release again what does a city like this do with buildings like that you know there's another mm-hmm. electronic store that's gone you know with the you know the streaming and the bluetooth and all that stuff you don't need those and i guess best buy probably heard a lot of them too but you know the circuit cities and things like that of of 10 years ago they're never coming back you got these big huge empty buildings out there and now people are moving away from having office buildings, stuff like that. It's, 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 it'll be interesting to see how the landscape of the cities change. And, you know, like you said, the workforce changes. It's a, it's you a, know one of the funniest workforces I've seen working in Reno hmm. because of the legalization of marijuana. This is the funniest shit ever. We, we legalize a drug that was forbidden and le- illegal for years. I don't, I've never partaken. I don't care if you do. I'm just saying that in certain places in our country now, it's legal to walk into a store and buy marijuana. You don't even have to have a medical card in all instances anymore, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to go in the stores. And now you're, there was used to be a window rolled down in a, in a, criminal that was being a drug dealer he probably had a mask on <laughs> was handing drugs through a window to a car that person that was buying the illegal drugs may or may not have had a mask on or maybe a hooded sweatshirt to you know cover up their identity but now you can go right down here and I, I will literally park and watch and laugh like it's like a movie for it. it's huh? like a bill burr stand-up andrew dice clay eddie murphy concert i'm like <laughs> There's drug guys going into the store, taking an order on a, on a pad, an iPad or whatever, mask on. They go into the store. They come back out, mask on with an eighth or a quarter, whatever they sell weed in. And then they hand the weed through the window. Yeah. So think about how it came full circle from illegal drug deals through a window to now it's legal with the guys. But they're in masks and they look like they're trying to be illegal. It's a, it's the legal trap house, I think, is what they call them. The legal trap house. It's, it's the same as the guys that deliver it. You know, I mean, like you said, back in the day, uh, and and I've not done a lot of it, but I've done it before. And, um, you know, I remember when we were younger, you know, there was a certain guy that sold weed and, and he kind of would plan out like a little route, you know, like on Friday night, if he was going to bring some to Chad and he was going to bring some to Clay and he was going to bring some to Clinton, you know, depending kind of where, but you know, the same deal, right? He pulls up in his 82 Honda Civic and, you know, you go sit in the front seat for a second and he passes you over whatever you bought from him. Now they have a legit business 
that as far as I know, probably grew the largest during this COVID time, that Blackbird, I think it's called. They, they couldn't hire enough drivers. You couldn't get, you know, it was taking them a day and a half to deliver the product. Yeah, like you said, same with, um, you know, a lot of these liquor stores and stuff that, you know, they had to adapt this curbside program and, and, and things like that. And now all of a sudden they're just booming, you know, and they can't keep people in place. You know, they've got so much demand. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. But for, you know, the, the, the drugs and the legal drugs and alcohol of, of Reno, those businesses have exploded. And I don't know, is that a bad thing that, you know, we're kind of turning into alcoholic and drug users because everyone's trying to escape the reality of a strange life we're living in. I don't know, man. It's well, weird. I don't know if, I don't know if everybody is, but I do know that the, the majority of people that I would talk to through COVID were drinking more. Oh yeah. Every it, day. It was almost like they, I even heard celebrities say, say stuff like, you know, it'd be 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd be done with my chores. I'd be like, what else is there to do? I'm gonna get a cold beer. And that was like the mindset of everybody. I have, it's there. It's sitting there. I don't have a boss looking over me. I'm gonna have cocktails and I'm going to get ripped for the next eight hours. And then they would do it the next day. That's why, that's why private alcohol sales were through the roof. Now, mm. alcohol companies and liquor distributors and beer companies, they lost their ass on the restaurants and the bars. They had to have. Oh yeah. But personal use and like liquor stores, I heard their sales were like, I don't like in the thousands of percentage growth. Oh yeah. Like fishing is up 790% fishing licenses across the country, fishing sales, fishing rods and lures and bait and boats and all that 790% because people want to be on the water. People want to be in their backyard. People, I hope that it transitions into hunting and that more and more people come into the hunting space. Gun sales are through the roof. Ammo yeah. sales, you can't find ammo. Liquor, they can't make enough of it, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like they just keep going. So for most workforces in the world, um, not most, but for those kind of workforces that were selling sporting goods, they those kind of stores were busy for the people that could get into them or even curbside or online sales, Amazon and that mm -hmm. stuff. People were buying the stuff like it was going out of style. Oh, yeah. I, I think Amazon deliveries, or I don't even know what is up. That's going to be another thing. Is people not be, you know, going to stores and traffic in all these places? Have they been conditioned to get away from that? Uh, you know, pretty much 99% of the way they shop now. I don't know. I think so. I, I was going to tell you, I went to uh, I went to one of our local places to try and buy a couple uh, camp chair chairs. The shelves were empty, you know, and, and I think they said that uh, 20,000 additional um, big game tags applied for in Nevada this year. So 20,000 uh, up over last year, people wanted to go hunting. You know, like you said, a lot of people were caught in that hustle and bustle and and you know, putting in, I, I had friends that would say, oh, I'm not going to put, I'm just going to put in for points this year. I'm too busy at work. Those guys were, were back in, you know, there's, there's no excuse now you're not too busy anymore. So 20,000 extra people put in for hunting licenses that, that transferred into sales somewhere, right. Whether it's Amazon or if your local place was open. Um, and I thought about, like you just said, the delivery part of it, I just went to my local grocery store and the first six or eight or 10 spots are for this e-cart thing where basically you go online, you order all your groceries. Um, and I actually have a little bit of experience with, you know, cause I did this for one of the retailers here, you know, they, they, as a supplier, take pictures of all your products and stuff. They put them on their website. You can go on and order everything from, you know, your milk and cheese and bread, to eyeliner, deodorant, whatever. And they load it all up in bags for you. You pull up into one of those front eight spots. You, you know, 
you give them your order number or whatever it is and they come out put your groceries in your car and you leave amazon i believe i don't know if you can get like milk and stuff I like that on can. amazon you might be able to there's probably some people that aren't even where going. was this where was this type of service when when we were straight up bachelors i know my biggest freaking fear was going into a store hated it and i, I mean with a mask i won't go in a store but where was this when i was in college where i could call up or go online and be like bring me this 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 and this. everything is like from Grubhubs to uber eats to this shopping stuff that's going on like life is like easy like it's handed to you if you yeah. really wanted to you really don't have to be very creative to get anything done it, it makes you wonder though like we, we we're sitting here and we're saying well office buildings are closing down and people are working from home have you where the frick is all the traffic coming from I the, wondered the, the same traffic thing, today. Man. I had to, I had to go into town today and I was like, thank my lucky stars. I don't have to do this every day. I'm very fortunate that I don't have to get in that line of traffic, which is infrastructure is brutal. This part of the town anyway, but I, I got so many bitches about city of Reno it's like, <laughs> in the state of Nevada, but they're always saying you can't bitch unless you're willing to make the change or whatever. Well, I don't, I don't know what I can do, but I drove through downtown today. I wouldn't go down there. I don't want to walk around there. No, I, it, I'm the same way, man. I had an uh, I had an event down there the other day, and I it wasn't the Reno that I knew. I mean, that's what I I get everything changes and all that stuff, but it's just it's why can't brutal. it change for the better though? I don't. I have no. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what what's wrong with whatever our program is here. Whether you want to blame it on politics, if we want to go down that road, which it it's got a somewhat of that's got to lie on their shoulders, man. You know, you're you're an elected official, and that's your job to do those sorts of things, and. Yeah, I, I feel so bad for some of those businesses down there, you know, barring what they're already going through. There's a there's a brand new place. I don't, I don't know what it's called, but they took an old building, Alpine Glass, that sat vacant since I was a kid. And they turned it into a bar, restaurant, and then it's a concert venue on the other side. It's a big building. I tried to go there one day. There's literally a dude sleeping on the sidewalk with his whole ass hanging out of his pants. And you, you almost have to step over him to get to this building. That's terrible. And, and I imagine this guy spent a half a million dollars or more in renovating that building, took an eyesore out of, you know, you, you, I'm not saying you got to treat people differently, but that man made Reno a better place. I don't even know who he is. And, and he can't even get them to come get the homeless guy up off the sidewalk so he can try and get some patronage to this brand new bar that <laughs> takes an eyesore out of our community. It's, it's brutal. If you were... I commend people that that can watch that. You know, how would you feel if if that was your business? Take you, a risk. They're taking a risk to bring a business to the area, to bring revenue, to make it nice, to clean up an area. And then every law is catered towards the people that don't even want to go get a job. And then they say, well, it's mental stability and it's mental capacity and it's mental health. And it's, okay, what's your point? Every single part of our town that we grew up in, that we had pride in, you can't even go to a AAA baseball game without seeing a fight of homeless people or, or, or drugs or whatever going on, and they won't do anything to clean up. You try to go fishing on the river or crawdad fishing or just go down there and train your dog, nope. you literally are going to step on a needle. You're going you're gonna to walk through a tent city. And I'm not sitting here and saying that I don't 
don't have some compassion for homeless. San Francisco is going through the same thing. But why can't the laws be catered towards the working class that are willing to provide a service or start a business or have employees or bring a better feeling and culture and aura to this area? Because that's what it needs. But you have guys that are third and fourth generation like us two saying, we will not go visit downtown. What does that do to a Carano family? What does that do to the, you know, all of the different families that are, are, are thriving on business of, of people coming into their establishments, like this guy that bought Alpine glass and put that big restaurant in there. Is that the new, is that the new country bar? There's a new country bar going in down there that I heard is going to, I think it's called eight seconds or something, but I heard it's going to be badass. concerts, live music, buck and bull, mechanical bull, all that. I won't go down there. Mm. Won't go down there. And that's a shame because when I go to Nashville, I'll go down there and you know how clean it is? You don't don't see any of that shit. You don't see any of that shit. Nope. So it's like, why can't our government and our mayor, whatever her name is, why can't we get some laws that protect the working class? Why does everything have to go in our world to a participant or an underdog? Always think about that. Why is the underdog always the one people want to cheer for? Why don't you want to cheer for a champion? Why do people... People hate the Yankees because they're a dynasty, because the Steinbrenners built them into a freaking untouchable billion-dollar business. Why do people hate the Cowboys, even though they suck? But Jerry Jones is a multi-billionaire that's built that through hard work and vision. Why do people want to hate our president? Because he's worth this many billions? You know how smart you have to be to become a billionaire? You know how hard it is to become a hundred-thousandaire? Like, it's impossible. Not impossible, but it's hard. And people don't understand that some of these laws need to go to protect the people that are willing to take a risk to be entrepreneurs and have the entrepreneurial spirit and bring business back to places that need it. Because without that, it's just a run of the mill freaking business is coming and going, coming yep. and going. Oh, we'll try it. Oh, you're not going to support us. Okay. We're gone. See ya. And, and, and what does it do to the revenue? You know, what do, what do you, when, when guys like us are saying, we're not going down there anymore, their sales go down, you know, 100%. now your tax revenue goes down and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And, and you touched on something that I, I thought about the other day, you know, people, People like to say that the the president would never have been where he'd been if his dad didn't have some money. Shit. You know know how many people that inherit money lose it? Do you know, I can hand most people a million, I couldn't personally, but you know, you can hand most people a million dollars and they couldn't do anything with it. It, It's not, uh, people I don't think can grasp what it truly means to be a billionaire. There's there's some people in, in the world that have some money, but when you talk about billion, that's a whole different category, and that is it. it I don't care who I, you are; I, you got to be a smart. I think less than five percent of the country's population have a million dollars in the bank. Oh yeah, that's a millionaire. That's a millionaire. You can have a million in assets, but to have a million dollars liquid cash in the bank, not very many people no. do. God, Even no. people that call themselves millionaires don't have that. Right, it's all tied up in assets. So to be a billionaire. I, what is a billionaire? It's a thousand, a thousand million, million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even a hundred million because that's called a hundred million dollars. It's a thousand million. Yeah. No, a thousand hundred million, a thousand million, a thousand million, a thousand million is a billionaire. And you, and people are going to say, oh yeah, let's just, let's just let the, we have a family in here that just took on a huge endeavor in the casino world and you, they have to put up with that shit. They can't even have the support of their city that are literally, you go and read about this family in the, in the national news. They're taking on this risk, this amount of risk, this amount of responsibility, this many jobs being handed to people to work, that qualify for the jobs to work in these resorts all across the country. And we can't even get a government that supports that and says, let's clean this effing place up and make it to where third generation working class people want to come down here and enjoy the night. Nope. And, and our, in our, our government, 
they almost are fighting against that casino mentality. You know, they, they think that Reno should be something other than what it is. You know, it's it's been here this whole time as this gambling anchored, you know, thing. And and they're pushing all their efforts towards this new midtown area. And I it is what it is. I, I don't you know, those are small businesses too, but you got you got anchor legacy businesses like you said that almost are being screwed to try and have this new cool thing but yet you go to this midtown area and it's the same thing you're stepping over a guy who's you know passed out on heroin you know whole ass hanging out of his pants and 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 you go i'm not bringing my girlfriend or my wife or my kids down here to have dinner at one of these new trendy restaurants because they've they've not done their diligent their their duty even in the in the part of town that they want to support yep you know they'll they'll you'll see every bit of advertising for midtown you know and that's paid for with city dollars it that it is what it is man any anybody with their eyes open can see that our city government really wants that midtown thing to take off okay i'm with it i want it to take off too but you go down there and it's more homeless people and it's more you know unsavory characters if you will that you you cannot generate and build a business with those kind of people around because nobody is what kind of people why are we afraid to skate around what they really are what is and i'm not saying that we even need to mention on this because i don't even know if we're allowed to talk about it because of how we've been conditioned by you know the the media politician politics the way that you're looked upon, if you really say how things are, why are we afraid to say how things are? It's a dump. It it's is. disgusting. I won't. We have a triple A team that's triple A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I love baseball. And I won't take my nine year old daughter to a game and buy her popcorn. And that's, we used to go sad. all the time. All the time. We used. It's to. gotten so bad down there. You can't. We I, they built the homeless the homeless tent city where it's just <laughs> throttled with homeless people and drugs. Right there. Yep. Right there. And there's no parking garage to feel secure. And you got to go park over in BFE and then walk across streets, walk across traffic, walk across all of that stuff that's going on and the commotion of what's what's being done. And I'm not saying that life doesn't happen, but what in the frick is it is wrong with turning it around and saying, no, we're not going to have this here. It's It's been, I'm going to guess, five years or maybe more since I've been to that ballpark. Really? Yeah. That long? So, so you figure. What if it's been that long for me? You figure that 2006 it was built. Seven was the first stadium. It was the first season. I know you and I went to a game in 2014 or 15. I'm going to think that's the last one that I ever went to. Really? And that's, isn't that sad? But so when you think what what I was just going to say is, I guarantee. Well, I know I got my trailer hitch stolen at one of the games you and I went to. And then remember, we sat down low. We sat right on that fence in like 2014 or 15. And and it was a day game, I think. And and I remember thinking about not wanting to walk through that portion of, I can't even know, I don't even know what that street's called. That was in broad daylight with two full-grown men, you know. Yeah. Now that's been over five years that that our government has had an opportunity to fix this problem, right? It's not like this thing just happened last month. You've got eight or more years, probably 10 years that people have noticed this problem. Now it's really, really bad to where nobody wants to go down there. But 
what is the what where's the planning where's the you know what is going to happen with this you have you cannot, heard anything from our mayor since any, any of this? zero i don't even know if she i don't even know if she's had a press conference it, the the joke now around town is reno has a mayor question mark you know like she literally has done nothing and and I, I understand that she has some health concerns. At that point, you need to resign. If you can't do the job that you've been elected to do, you're being paid to do. I understand we're in a global pandemic. Get out. But if you can't do it, then you need to resign and have somebody else do it. Because the problems of our community are not going anywhere with COVID-19. If anything, they're getting worse. So I it's funny. I, I actually started to... You know, most city officials will and city employees won't won't talk about what you and I are talking about right now. But I, I've seen some stuff on social media with city employees are starting to say, OK, who's going to address this homeless problem? They're having fires, you know, so now the weather's starting to cool down at night. So you got people. And when we had one behind the restaurant a couple weeks ago, you know, they're burning pallets to cook or to to keep warm or whatever. And then they catch the tent on fire. They catch the blanket on fire. They catch the fence, you know, on fire. Now you got the fire departments having to go out there and respond to these fires in these tent cities and all these places where, where all the, you know, they're, they're camping in the middle of a city and you're trying to have a f- open flame in the middle of a city. It doesn't go well. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, but it's okay. But, but, but it, all, all those buildings that people take millions of dollars of risk out to build are are in harm's way, but it's okay yeah. that because this person has to stay warm because they're considered quote unquote homeless right. or out of uh, on bad terms or whatever. Really? It's, really? It's bullshit. <laughs> if if you wanted to go fishing down on the Truckee River and you wanted to start a fire to have a shore lunch, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's the same thing as you know if if I park my motorhome in front of my house for longer than two days. You better believe they're going to come over there and put one of those stickers on the window saying you're not allowed to do that. Yep. But I drive by the same 15 motorhomes that people have been living on the side of the road for. I used to go through it over in uh, close to downtown. That anywhere that they could park a, a motorhome trailer or van or something like that, they'd park it and live in it. And and here's the thing. It's one thing to be down on your luck for a little bit and ha- going through a tough spell. But when the whole vehicle is surrounded and used hypodermic needles and empty whiskey bottles and all that kind of stuff, you know, you're, you're, this is, that's your lifestyle that you're, you're choosing to live at that point. You know, if you, if you're going to tell me you're broke, then you can't get your life together, but you're buying drugs and alcohol and cigarettes, then I don't buy it. And I'm not and you know, that's not somebody that is okay to be sleeping on the street for a few days while they get their act 100%. together. And, and it's just, the bottom line is people don't feel safe around that. And, and who's going to open up a business or who's going to go to well, even be an employee at a business? Would you go work at the at the baseball field? If you were a 17, 18 year old kid that got their first job at the baseball stadium, cooking popcorn or whatever, you're going to walk through that every single or you know, every other day they have a home game and go to work. No, no. Hell, I, I, I often look at myself of like, why do we get an intimidation factor within our souls when we see it happening? Like, when somebody is standing there and they're looking the way they look and I know what they're getting ready to ask us and, 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 and bug me and interrupt my life, I didn't ask for it. 
I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for them to come up and scare the shit out of my daughter and freaking have a backpack and start a fight and beg for money and and all this stuff. And it makes me not want to be a part of it. Now, have I helped out homeless shelters? I go feed them all the time. Mm -hmm. Donate wild game meat to them. So I don't want people coming away from this like, oh, they hate the homeless. No. All I'm saying is that there's a place for all of this. And we go and donate food. We go and donate blankets and clothing and try to help them out. But now we are trying to live our lives. Right. And now we're being interrupted in every facet of our life. And I'm not telling I'm telling you, like, I've been spending a lot of time out this way (laughs) through COVID. Mm -hmm. It's spreading out. It's spreading. It's coming. And that 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 weirds me out to the point of like, are you serious? Like now they, they can just go wherever they want and infiltrate on any part of our communities. It's crazy to me. The mindset is absolutely crazy that it's never the working class that's protected. It's always the the underdog. And people are going to say, well, what about the people that make a ton of money? And I straight up tell people I got nothing but mad love and respect for people that set themselves apart and become millionaires and become billionaires and become unbelievable CEOs and entrepreneurs because it's the hardest thing to do in business. Becoming a doctor is easier than it is to build a, a national brand like 100%. Donald Trump did. So, and I'm not taking anything away from the medical field. Being a surgeon and a doctor, I, I got nothing but mad love and respect for that too. But the people are always finding a way to rip the people that have worked their asses off to make it. And it's not fair. It's not the, just because we worked our asses off and made it. And I'm putting us in there because we work our asses off, all of us here at these companies, just because we work our asses off doesn't mean that we have to slow down because society is only willing to protect the people that don't have it that aren't taking the right steps or measurements to make it right and they're just going to make excuses for them all the time that's it and and you know i agree with you there there's i've got a ton of compassion for it you know i I think and this is not my own thought but i believe in a hand up and not a hand out like you said i i can't I know the countless times that, you know, you've donated warm clothing and, you know, food and, and a lot of the organizations that I'm involved with, you know, dropping off food. I've gone down there dozens of times, you know, and drop stuff off. And it's not that people don't fall on hard times, but I saw something in the paper the other day. They wanted to try and get these homeless people out of this park. There was 55 homeless people in this park. Arlington? No, the one across from Washoe or uh, Washoe Med, uh, Renown. I can't remember what it's called. So that little tiny sliver of yeah, park that, that has the two streets on each side. Yeah, that has that, that big of a population in it. It had, or probably still does. Living but, in tents. Yep. No. Yep. And so that's what you know. There's houses around there, and there's people that said, "Look, our tax dollars pay for that park. That's not. That's not. There's no lie about that. There's nobody out there mowing that lawn for free. You know. So your tax dollars pay for it. There's people that live in homes around it, and they say we want to take our kids to that park. That's what that park's for. Big bunch of grass, volleyball court, jungle gym, all that stuff. But you got 55 people that are living in there. You know, all the time. So they put this whole group together. They got a ton of pushback from the city. But they brought medical in, they brought uh, psychologists in, they brought drug and alcohol counselors in, and they said, we're not just going to shoo all these people out of here. You're going to try to help. We're going to help them. Don't, Thir- even, don't even tell me that they all didn't get in line to get help. 35 of them didn't even talk to anyone, grabbed all their stuff, walked away. F- like four of them accepted some type of medical help, which they said, you know, could have been a Band-Aid to, you know, could have been some eye drops or something. And then I, I don't remember how the rest of it broke down, but the way it goes is none of them took any help. 
None of them went and sat and talked to a psychiatrist. They might have said hello to him versus the 35 that just walked away. None of them took any of that help. None of them took any of the medical help. None of them were interested in speaking to, you know, a counselor about getting into some assisted housing or a shelter or something like that. It's not all the person that's fallen on some bad luck. There are truly people that that's how they want to live. And that's not okay. Like you said, there's lo- there's actually already laws in place that should be protecting all these hardworking people of the world and all the people that are, you know, actively contributing to our society. But they're being, you know, the law enforcement community is being told not to enforce those laws. It's not it's not legal to camp in the city. You can't do that. You can't go camp out in the forest without paying, you know, at a, at a national park, you know. Could have fooled me. I know. <laughs> but it, it looks like you can do whatever you want as long as you as long as you don't have a job, as long as you don't pay taxes, as long as you don't have to clean yourself up and be a good community person and a, and a steward of our land and communities and neighborhoods, then you can do whatever you do whatever want. Whatever you want. But and, if you're a hardworking, tax-paying, law-abiding citizen, you you literally can't even go to a triple A baseball game because the excuse is going to be made. Oh, you've got it made in your little house mm-hmm. with your little family and your little suburban. No, that's yep. not true. We we have way more risk and I have way more stress than most pretty much every homeless person out there. Right. I'm just telling you, 100 percent. The responsibility level that comes with trying to be a, a good, upstanding citizen is way more difficult than it is to do that. Way more. And that's what, like you said, there's nobody. There's, they're not trying to help you be an upstanding citizen. You know what I mean? I got, uh, I got not, not hemmed up, so to speak, but you know, I, I missed getting my truck registered. I don't know if the, the little thing got lost in the mail or I missed it or whatever, but I don't want to not have my truck registered. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like I ever got a follow-up phone call or a second letter or something like that saying, hey, your registration's lapsed. You know, they're not, they don't want to help a guy, you know, try and be upstanding. But I pass these motorhomes and these things that are, you know, they haven't been registered in five, 10 years. Never. They're cruising the streets. But a guy like me will get pulled over. Hey, you know, your registration's lapsed. And it's like, I honestly did not know that it had lapsed. Crazy, crazy mindset. Crazy, and and you know, at the end of the day, nothing's nothing would happen from it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get. No, I'm it's not just gonna, the fact that they are going to hassle you, but they won't hassle somebody right. that's never paid for it. Exactly, exactly. That's what that's what blows my mind is so mine's off by a month because I missed the letter that came. It's not because the money's not in the bank. It's not because I didn't want to register my truck. I missed it. Straight up accident. I'll pass an RV or, you know, a 1972 Dodge or Ford Pinto that hasn't been registered in 15 years. Somebody sleeping in it, somebody driving around town, you know, no smog check. No, none of that stuff's been done in all that time. They'll do it all. That guy will be still driving tomorrow for the rest of the year. No one will ever say a word to him. I miss it by a month. I'm pulled over almost, almost, you know, instantly. Yeah. It's just crazy. And the safety aspect and the fact that there is violence and there is crime and that you have to be the person that has to stand down against that too. Right. You can't, you know, I pack a pistol. Right. Damn right I do. I'm not going to get messed with. Nope. I'm not going to get messed with anywhere. I'm not even going to go into a port of subs with it anymore because I never know what's going to happen because it's been, our communities have been uh, 
pretty much determined unsafe. Like I'm not going to go downtown and walk to the, the event center to watch a Willie Nelson concert. Like I would have 10 years ago. I won't do it now. No, won't do it because it's way worse now than it was before she took office and way worse than it was when Bob was in office. And it's a dirty, dirty area to be in. I don't care what people say. I won't, I don't even know where Midtown starts and where Midtown ends, but I promise you, I ain't going there. I've never been there and I never will be because I do not like the fact that they are putting our safety and our security in harm's way all the time because the laws never side with people that are doing what it takes to make this world go around. I hate that. I hate that mentality. So do I. I. I went to, uh, uh, I took uh, my girlfriend to the store the other night and in a four-way intersection, there was three people asking for money. It was seven o'clock at night. We pulled into this grocery store's parking lot. The, the, the parking lot was disgusting. And, and, I, and I said, here's the deal. This is, this is this business's duty to clean this place. It was private property. However, there's the three corners of the four-way stop have homeless people begging for money. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that them, they are the ones trashing the parking lot. And now these businesses, as you can imagine, they're just tired of it. You know, they're, they're tired of going out and cleaning up all the trash every night from the guy that spent the night there and left all his garbage there. They're tired of cleaning up the, the human waste from the people that are out there all night long. So they start to give up, right? So I, this is a big shopping center that's filthy because the, the poor business people, they're, they're tired of it. They, can't, they don't want to deal with it anymore. And the next step is they just won't do business anymore, right? If every day you got to go clean human waste out of the front of your store, because you can't be there 24 seven to watch it. And now we have nobody out there doing it, you know, doing the, the portion of that job that they should be doing. Pretty soon you go, it's just not worth it anymore. I don't want to have a restaurant here. That's I don't want to have a clothing store here that's anymore. Sad. It is. It's terrible. And that's sad. People, but you know, people can only take so much, you know, especially in a time like this, you're doing everything you can do to, you know, just like the example I gave, you're doing everything you can do to try and have this restaurant. Then you come in one morning and you got to clean up five charred pallets that some guy burnt the night before so that your customers don't get nails in their tires out in the parking lot. You know, that's something that you, why JP had the catalytic converter stolen out of his pickup truck at his restaurant. So he gets up in the morning. Why? Because they had copper on it? Uh, no, they steal them. For, yeah, but it is some kind of scrap thing. Yeah. Of you know, course, he goes for to drugs. Yeah. He goes to fire that thing up. Uh, we have an ice cream truck and trailer that's parked out there. The fuel, I quit putting fuel in it now because literally I'd fill it up. I'd go to an event, I'd park it, and the fuel would be siphoned out of it. You know, it, it literally, they, I, I had three or four locking gas caps broken off of the truck. So now I just don't even put right. gas in it. I leave it at, a, a, you know, as low as it can get enough to go to the gas station. And I put enough in it to go to the event I'm going to because it's all stolen. And, and it's, it's, how much well, the, the big thing is how we start this conversation. I'm not cutting you off is that you have an ice cream business. Your in-laws have a very successful restaurant business and catering business that you help. I am one person that is not going out a bunch yeah. like I should in part of it's because I don't have any pride in the area anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't have, I don't know what it's going to take to change it. I know a lot of it's politics and community leaders, but 
That's not what I was put on earth to do. I'm not a community leader. I'm not a council person. All, all I'm saying is that there was a time when our downtown was very nice and tidy and respectful. When you could go from the Sundowner to the Circus Circus to the Silver Legacy to the freaking El Dorado, and it was nice. Walk and you could go to concerts and walk around safe, and now it's not safe. It's deemed unsafe. I would never let my nephew go down there as a 17-year-old kid to see a concert like we used to, right. an outdoor concert. Never would. I used to go to the Pioneer Theater. You know how hard it is just to walk by there now? You can't. That used to be to where we'd go watch Shakespeare plays and the Christmas Carol and freaking all of the different... Comedy downstairs. Comedy, you know, downstairs and all that. And now it's... I won't go. So your restaurant business, your ice cream business, all the accounts that you deliver to in that area with walk-in, you know, the freezers that you just open up and get a pint, I'm not going to them. Right. So somebody else is going to have to spend their money to buy your ice cream. That should be enough for you and your businesses to be like, this is a worry. Those people that have these nice restaurants or these nice shopping centers that are, can't, they can't keep them clean of human waste. Could you imagine feces in a human, yeah. in a street in San Francisco and now Reno, Nevada, because all of them are moving here now because our government is so lax and our governor is wa- a waste of time. Yeah. Our governor is not a leader. He's no. not straight up. He's not a leader. No. So why would we have confidence as people in, in, in this area to want to help rebuild it when it just gets shot down every time we go down there? We can't even go buy a cold beer and a popcorn at a AAA stadium because we feel so unsafe. And that's sad. Yep. And they're not doing anything about it. Is that And that's the that's the part that just irks me the most, you know, because I'm with you. I'm not a community leader. I'm not a politician. I don't want to be. But I think that I vote for the right people that should be that that is what they chose to do for a living that is their path yeah and the the, the jobs aren't getting done be good it's at sad. it none be of them good are good at, at it. it they aren't good. It, 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 we we allowed politics to turn into some deal where people don't work anymore Let, answer me this how do you go from a state like california and saying i'm moving out of here like joe rogan just moved to austin texas thousands a day are moving out mm-hmm. of california from la to sacramento to even northern california are coming here they're going to boise he went to Austin, Texas. Then you come here and you move to Vegas or Reno, and then you want to vote politically the same way you did over there and try to make our state turn the same way. It doesn't. What What is the mindset? Yeah. You move from San Francisco because of the issues, but you come here and buy a house for that's just as nice a house, bigger than the one you lived in in the Bay Area. You pocket and bank a bunch of money because you sold yours for millions over there. And now you want to vote the same way to turn this area into what you just left? Where's the mindset? Where's the intelligence in that? It, it makes zero People sense. are going to say, Belding, Crosby, you guys are ignorant. Oh, you guys are ignorant. No, we're not. I'm just telling you, that's what's going on right before our eyes. We are watching. I had a conversation today at my attorney's office with a guy from Texas. He's an attorney from Texas. And I'm, he's... It's happening there. People are moving to Texas, and that's that. That is not supposed to be happening in the state of Texas. Right. And it's starting to even wish what you know go you know get get washed around there to to the different color. So what used to be red, there's stripes of blues in, in mm-hmm. different places now. In our whole state, I mean, it's obvious what's happening here. Oh, yeah. Nevada yeah. is not where I want to be anymore, and that's a shame because of Washoe and Clark County. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame. Our rural areas, which are beautiful, same as Texas. Yeah, same with Northern California, man. When we drove to beautiful. Chico the other day. I this is so unbelievable. Northern California is so much like Northern Nevada. Unbelie- it's actually maybe even prettier. prettier. Yeah. Because we got Certain a lot areas. of desert. Certain areas. But but it, it's it's screwed. And I heard uh, I heard of a place uh, they moved from L.A. to Nashville. And a lot of people said Nashville's getting as, you know, liberal as L.A. is. You know, it's getting to be just the same kind of problem. Like you said. If you leave an area because you don't like the way it's going and then you try to turn your new area into the same thing, 
you're going to get the same results as the last place. And it, it, it drives me nuts because it's, that's what's happened to Reno. 100% people sell a house in the Bay area for an ungodly amount of money. They come pay cash for a house here. You know, they love it. And then, and then it, I could be wrong in using this, but they want a culture, you know, old hillbilly Reno, you know, to be like San Francisco or LA or something like that. And we are ending up in the same garbage can and it drives me nuts because I, I I love nothing more than Reno and I've never thought more about moving out of this place than I have right now. And you're being serious. I'm being hundred percent serious. I went to Sturgis this summer and I loved South Dakota. Uh, I went to um, Idaho with you a couple weeks ago, and I love that area that we were in. You know, I'm a little bit too – I don't know what the word is, but I'm not quite ready for a a really small town like that. But, you know, like Boise, I went to Boise years ago, and I loved it, and I heard Boise's bad now. You know, maybe not bad. I've heard the same thing. But, you know, it's going going that route. It's getting bad. Yeah, I, I, I really honestly don't know how much time I have left in Reno if it continues down this path. And what generation are you? I'm a fourth generation. And I think my parents would move right now. You know, I really believe if my parents could find a place where, you know, they felt comfortable with, you know, because they're getting a little bit older, comfortable with the medical treatment and things that they could that they could you know, get, they would move out of Reno. I know my, how how sad is that? It's terrible. How sad, like 15 years ago, I would have never considered it. Uh, It, Me neither. I would have told you that Reno is the greatest place. I still believe that Reno is the greatest. You said it earlier. Not with the government we got. No, but as far as landscape and what we like to do, you know, I mean, I think you could find better duck hunt in the world, but Tahoe being so close, you said it earlier, you can, you can hunt giant mule deer. You can hunt giant elk. You can go fishing pretty much anywhere you want to go. International airport. International three airport. Three hours from the bay. Skiing if you like to ski. Wakeboard if you want to wakeboard. You know, and then we've got good restaurants in Reno. we got good restaurants. we got good nightlife. You know, we draw some decent concert names. You know, not the greatest, but you're two hours away from Sacramento where they draw the biggest we, names. We, we have great concerts here. We yeah. have great nightlife. We yeah. have great bars and restaurants. We have... I thought what we had before, you know, this government has taken over, Washoe County School District, I used to enjoy going to public school here. Yeah. I'm eight seconds away from putting a, uh, my daughter in private school. I, I honestly... I mean, I mean that. I truly do. I, I don't have any kids, but but I heard, I, I've heard nothing but bad things about the school here. But I just was listening to some people discuss their child's going to... It's the coolest thing that I've heard in a long time. It's a it's a private school that's centered around the idea of capitalism. Oh, that's cool. Teaches you how to freaking make money and you, keep it in a bank account. The, the kids get rewarded. You know, if, if a kid sweeps the hallway, you remember when we were kids, you, you had to sweep the hallways. Always. You, you had those big old dust brooms. And, I used and, to love sweeping I the gym I used to love floor. it too, man. I, sweep the gym, all that. I remember how dirty like the corners around the bleachers were. All those were dust how, bunnies. How pride you, prideful you'd feel when oh, you yeah. would get it all up. And then you'd get to shoot hoops for a minute by yourself because no one else is in there. Yeah, because um, I didn't make the team and I, I had know, to do I, it. <laughs> that's, I couldn't even play basketball. I shouldn't have said shoot hoops. I got to throw a dodgeball around. No. but uh, So these kids, are they're actually not paid money, but they're given like points. And... 
those points can be used to buy things at this school store, right? Pencils, pens, erasers, trapper keeper, if they still use those. But they're teaching these kids the 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 ideology of capitalism that what our world what our country is based on i shouldn't say our which world, we never learned in school no never we had a we had a math class and we might have learned how to balance a checkbook maybe but capitalism and revenue you know how important that is and being rewarded for a job well done you know you know what i mean you you know we swept the gym floor i do remember you used to get something you know like a uh whatever a, a ticket or something that your teacher might let you go to recess four minutes early or something but these kids are actually almost given money you know they're turning it into a product it's as good as you know currency that they're giving them but it's more than that because they're actually teaching them you are being given this for your work and that's what that's what that's what we solve our problem with what we just talked about for 30 minutes is solved that way Kids need to learn that, you know, for your effort, for your work, you're going to be rewarded with this. And when you're rewarded with this, you get the things you like. I get everybody wants to be an artist or a singer or something like that. But if you can't hack it, then you need to get a job. You know, you need to work and then you get to be an artist or a singer or something as a hobby. Right. And, and if somehow you develop your skills and now you can turn it into a job. Great. But everybody's sitting around not wanting to work and wanting to stay at home and paint or try and do something like that. We all can't do that. And as no. the workforce dwindles, this is what you get. You get, you know, this crazy population of homelessness. You get a crazy unemployment rate where people, you know, they're reliant only on the government to take care of them. You can't, we'll, we'll never survive like that. Never. Ne it will never happen. The, the, we're, we've just spent 30 minutes talking about how the government can't solve a, a problem here in town. How are you going to solve everybody's problems? They can't do it. It's not going to happen. And so we're stuck. If we don't start teaching this younger generation a little bit more about work ethic and, and you know, the benefits of a hard day's work, we're in trouble. And that's a that's a scary thing to think about, man. And if you think about what you're saying, like that we're in trouble as far as the future goes and we're already i'm in my 40s and i'm seeing it right now which there are moves that can be made to better it in my opinion i truly think mm -hmm. that there are families that are dedicated to making it better my fear is is that what we've the underlying factor here is if you have the mindset to make it better and improvements are needed is it possible? That's the question at hand. Is it possible to make it a better community to where when Alyssa is able to drive herself to an event, I'm not going to be a sheltered up dad saying you're not going anywhere in this area. That is the biggest thing right now for me, because there are families. You got big time people like Ricky and the, and, and the casino family we keep mentioning. And there's a lot of other influential people in this area that would be willing to help. But does it really matter? That's the that's the question at hand. Does the effort really matter to try to make the area better? There's already been people that have tried. The guy that you just mentioned with Alpine Glass Building, bringing the AAA Stadium here was a big risk for families around this area. Mm -hmm. um, other play, other people that are bringing jobs to the area. There's a huge tech area here now. There's a huge industrial area here now. What are those people thinking with the housing around here and people wanting to move out of the area because they're being pushed out by people that come here and bring their ideologies and their their thoughts here there's something that attracted people to this area in the in the first place and now there's people that are willing to make the changes or put in the effort or donate money or put in you know put in financial means that are being like why 
I'm not seeing any change. There's no change here. We've given you this many years, 14 years, to build a parking garage for that AAA baseball stadium to make it more conducive to going down and parking and being safe and walking in there. No, just walk through Tent City. Just walk through the city bus stop. Walk through these fights going on and drug deals going on. And you think that people are going to do that with their family? They're not. That's why the attendance was so down before COVID. Exactly. So my biggest fear is, is it even worth putting in the effort? And that's a scary deal. Well, you know, you just said something that's really scary, in my opinion, is think about the investment that that our state has made to, to get that tech area going. You know, Tesla, Panasonic. Amazon, Amazon, into it, freaking! Y'all keep going. You, 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 there's tons of some them. huge apples out there. Google's out there. What's the big one? The one with the underground, the underground uh, fiber switch. Switch. That, yeah. Have you seen that campus? It's insane. Holy shit! It looks like we're in Palo Alto. Right. And now, I don't care who you are. Nobody is comfortable dealing with the things that we just spoke about. Nobody. So now you've moved to Reno. You've got your job at Tesla. You want to go watch a triple a baseball game because you're not from here you don't know that chad and i just talked about that for the it's been here for 10 years and you go one time and you see and i it, it you can go every every game they have it'll be that way not going back every single night in downtown reno is the exact same thing those people are going to go what did i just get myself into yeah why do i want to live in reno to deal with the same problems or maybe they're new problems you know if, if you've come from whatever denver you're not denver's a terrible idea well no Ter- Den- denver can be all right Den- but, but you know what i'm nice saying places. like you you've come from a community that didn't have this problem now you moved here to go to work in one of these big tech companies that that this community's been over backwards to get into which is okay but now you're going well, i don't want to work here anymore i don't want to live here anymore so yeah. they're running from here yeah someone has to deal with this and i and i the the i think the answer to your question is yes that that it is worth it and i know that a lot of people have been soured on it you know that like you said that there's there's plenty of people that have donated their time and money to and thrown it at this problem and and they've gotten zero return but you know hopefully we're not so far gone that it can't be fixed but we need the leadership we need leadership that's it we need people to vote right and you know what it, it, it a lot of people you know conservative you know are against tax you know raising of taxes but nobody wants to give up their money if somebody came up with a decent plan that was, you know, feasible and would work and they said, hey, this is going to rid us of our problem and it's going to cost you 10 bucks a month. Nobody's going to say no. No, there's I, no plan. What I, what I don't want to do is just keep giving you my money for nothing. You know what I mean? You're already taking the taxes that we pay and, and all the taxes that we are here to have this community. Great. But you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing with it. No. And that's not going to, that doesn't fly. People are afraid to say it. Our governor is not a governor. He's not a leader. And our mayor is not a leader. We don't even have a mayor. hundred percent. She's freaking out of it. She's out and, of touch. And, and it, we just talked about this yesterday. Now, because of COVID, there's no more public comment in the uh, city council the city meetings. Council Can't so, do it. so they're doing whatever they want. Anything so you want. and I, instead of. This, of, is all, this has all been thought out. That's all been thought out yeah. with the emergency plan that's been abused. Everything that the governor has done is, is it's, dude, our state's a, a, a laughing stock. It is. Truly is a laughing stock. We're going to pick this up again. Dickies, thank you so much for partnering with us on Dickies Workwear Podcast. We talked about a lot today. We are serious about the workforce and how important it is to us and the people that are 
taking risks in buying buildings and renovating buildings and bringing new business to an area and pumping new blood into an area, wanting people to come and support those businesses. And you have people that have the ability to do so and spend hard-earned money at these establishments, these bars, these restaurants, these retail outlets. And we're refusing to because we don't feel safe. We don't feel secure. We need security, please. We need some security. But we, it's not a joke. We need to be able to walk through a parking lot and not have to step on broken glass and human feces. And we need leadership that want to work in the public sector. I am not one of them. I never chose to be that. Neither is Alex. But there are people that are doing it, and they're not doing a very good job. Step up to the plate, and let's work harder to make our community safer because it's truly needed. I really mean that. Dickie's Workwear Podcast Series. I'm Chad Belding for Alex Crosby. Thank you all so much for joining us. Let's all write in at info at this life ain't for everybody.com and tell us what song should be our theme. Working for a living. Huey Lewis has got one. Fabulous Thunderbirds have a working song. We got to come up with a good theme song that we can get publishing rights for to use for Dickie's workwear, for all of your workwear needs from boots to socks to flannels to badass pants and work pants and industry pants and chef pants, even fatigues, even scrubs for the dental industry, the medical industry, awesome shirts, ventilated shirts, warm weather shirts, cold weather shirts, beanies, scarves. Dickies makes it. They are the working man, working woman's clothing choice. We are truly humbled to be partnered with them. Again, this is Dickies Workwear Podcast, part of the Foul Life, and this life ain't for everybody. And where the payment ends, family of podcast brands. We're so proud to bring all of this content to you. Hopefully, you guys keep subscribing, leaving us ratings and reviews, telling your friends and family to listen to the podcast. Write us again, info at this life ain't for everybody, and tell us who you want on the show, what topic you want, and if you know a hardworking America, America. American or Canadian or worldwide worker out there that you think would be awesome to hear on the Dickies Workwear podcast, please don't hesitate to let us know. Hit us up in a direct message on Instagram at This Life Ain't For Everybody or at The Foul Life TV or at Where The Pavement Ends. We will answer them and we will get those guests on here. Sorry to be long-winded in the conclusion. I'm Chad Belling for Alex Crosby. This has been another edition of Dickies Workwear podcast. Thank you all very much. Uh-huh.